What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Sports presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host, Nick. And this week I got Dom and David with me. And then we got Evan back on the podcast this week. Uh, he was on a few episodes, I want to say, um, of a couple of our podcasts before. And then um, he was definitely on Nothing But Net when we did that <laughs> a little bit ago, even though that show kind of um, died off a little bit. Maybe we'll try to bring it back this uh, this season for basketball. Well, I don't have a, a weekly rundown this week because all the guys pretty much signed up for the topics that we put up. So we're going to do that. But I do have a word association this week. It used to be called Crazy Insane or On Point, but the guys hated my word choices. So <laughs> we'll let them say whatever they want. Just a couple of phrases or a sentence for a statement that I made about something in the sporting world. So the first thing I got here is Shohei Otani is the only player in MLB history to hit 30 home runs, win 10 games pitching and strike out 100 batters while pitching in the same season. Dom, what's your uh, word association for this? Unprecedented. Okay. Never seen anything like this before. It's yeah. just, unbelievable Evan what do you got yeah it's just it's nuts I would say like I feel like we were in this like this happened a lot more way back in the day and then it kind of went away but I mean Mm -hmm. this is this is just crazy yeah it's definitely interesting to see like um I guess the I don't want to say the word utility player but I feel like a lot more guys in major league baseball now are utility guys where they can play multiple positions and do multiple things and we kind of got away. Yeah, but this is different. No, I know, but I'm like, well, that's what I was going to try to get to. It was like, well, this, like, you have a guy right now who, like, we shied away from pitchers hitting and, and playing defensive positions outside of what they, you know, normally would, they would just focus on pitching. Um, and this guy has basically centered his career about being able to be, like, one of the most productive pitchers in the game, but also be able to be a really good defensive player and a really good offensive player when it comes to baseball too. So it's definitely, definitely interesting. And, you know, it's really sad because the angels are just going to waste two generational talents in a row, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move forward on that one. <laughs> the second thing I got here is Colin Sexton was given a four year, $73 million extension after being traded from the Cavs to the jazz. Evan, uh, what's your word association for this one? My word association is good. Uh, I think Colin Sexton fully deserves every penny of this. Um, and he, he's going to be putting up some points out there on the Utah Jazz. They might not win a lot of games, but he will score. Well, he's going to be pretty much the only guy scoring the ball out there. So, <laughs> David, what's your word association for that? I think that's great for him. He would be scoring a lot. So would Lori Markkinen. Lori yeah. would be doing just as good. I think they have a pretty good young core, like, Colin mm. Sexton, as much as he – like, I don't think he didn't – it wasn't that he didn't work out in Cleveland. It's just him and Darius Garland couldn't play together that well, so they kind of chose Garland over him. So I do think that Sexton will be a good player in the league and that he's a good guy they could build around. Um, but, you know, they – I don't think their window for rebuilding is really going to be that that drastic. Like, I think they'll go through a couple of years where they miss the playoffs, but then hopefully they can be back in with all those draft picks they have. So sure. we'll see. Dom, what's your uh, word association for it? Um, glad the Cavs got rid of him before they signed him to that deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I get he's, he's what, 24, 25. So I get that he still has a majority of his career to go, but $73 million for a guy that doesn't play defense, mm-hmm. doesn't pass the ball. I mean, his, his whole game is just getting to the basket or – you know, yeah, he's great at creating his own shot, but if I'm paying $73 million, I'd rather that money go towards someone like Donovan Mitchell than. Yeah, but that's not a bad you know, deal. Like, because what is that? What is that per year? Like, so it's just under 20. So it's like maybe like 17, 17 and a half million, maybe 18.25. Okay. So it's not bad. I mean, that's not a bad deal for some, I mean, you, I think like if he's, he's basically playing a role, like you, I think like, I know Jared Allen is definitely like he he's outplaying his contract at this point, but when they paid Jared Allen $20 million a year, it was to rebound basketballs and maybe score 10 points a game. Like they were paying him to fit a role. Yeah, on, lock down the defense. Yes. But he, he was basically just playing a role. Like he wasn't going out there to be an all-star. He wasn't going out there to be, you know, a part of a big four, he was going out there to play a role. So like I get 
I get that point, but it's only it, at 73 million, about 18 million a year. That's not a bad contract for a guy that can go out there and, and get you like 24 points a game. And then you can put defensive pieces around him and people that can move the ball around him as well too. And you can kind of build around that. But I mean, we've seen guys like Russell Westbrook that it doesn't work out that way either. So we'll have to kind of see going forward, but Sorry, I was just going to say, especially when Russell Westbrook is making 45 million a year. It doesn't seem quite as bad. No. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. The third thing I have on here is Dennis Rodman's daughter, Trinity Rodman has become the highest paid player in the national women's soccer league, signing a four year, $1.1 million deal. David, what, uh, what, what's your word association for this? I think that's fantastic for just women's sports in general. And we're, we'll be covering something similar in turn later on in the show regarding the women's sports regarding to uh, Serena Williams. So I think that's not only great for Trinity herself, but I think it's great for women's sport in general. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know $1.1 million over four years doesn't seem like a bunch, but for, you know, a league that's still growing and still progressing. Um, mm-hmm. It's that definitely is a, is a huge step forward. So it's a, uh, it's a huge step in the right direction. Let's say it that way. Yeah. Which means the money's flowing that they're, they're able to give that kind of a contract out. So um, Evan, what's your uh, word association for this? Yeah. I was just going to say like underpaid in a way in that um, you know, women's spo- soccer, especially in the United States with the national team being so successful is really gaining popularity. So I think hopefully, like David said, uh, this is just a step in the right direction. And hopefully these deals will be coming and continuing to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Dom, uh, what do you got on this one? I think it's fantastic. I mean, that's what, $250,000 a year. That's, that's a lot of, that's, that's a lot of money. Most people won't make that in a year at any job that they do. Um, So I, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction and hopefully you know, 10 years from now, we look at contracts given out in this league and, you know, million dollars is really nothing compared to what they'd be making in the future. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's kind of, it's kind of where the MLS maybe is now in 10 years. So I know like the MLS contracts have definitely got up there and you have, you know, these teams that are bringing guys over from overseas, whether that's the crew with uh, Cucho um, or they, you know, and they're, they're giving these guys a bunch of money. So they come over here and make this league better. And, you know, I think that because I think women's soccer in America kind of started out professionally really close to the rest of the world too. um, I think that it's kind of going to be on par and hopefully that grows together throughout. And then maybe women's soccer in America can be on par with the rest of the world throughout time as it grows. So definitely be interesting to watch and uh, keep track of, but uh, for the next one here, so LeBron was 6,878 days old when he entered the league, and he has now spent more than 6,878 days in the league. Dom, what do you got for this one? It's amazing. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it just goes to show if you take care of your body, you can keep performing at a high level for longer periods of time. So credit to him for putting in all the work to not only perfect his craft on the basketball court, but – not throw away, you know, all of his natural talents just on not taking care of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Evan, uh, what do you got for this one? Yeah, I would say unprecedented. I mean, it's amazing that he's been in the league so long, but the biggest thing is that he's just been at such a high level. Um, I mean, he's this past season scoring 30 points a game. It's just crazy. Like, you know, the fact that he's not just playing, he's not just, sitting on the bench, maybe playing a couple minutes a game for this long, but he's still one of the top five players in the league. It's just insane. Yeah, for sure. Uh, David, what do you got on this one? Uh, it's very crazy because it's like, whether you like the guy or not, that's, that's impressive. Impressive hell that like he can do it for that long. Yeah. So I give him credit for that. Yeah, I mean, it's like literally over half his life. So, I mean, yeah. that's, 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 that's a long time to do something for anybody. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty crazy. Also, can I just say that's very oddly specific? <laughs> 6,878 uh, days. <laughs> yeah. Throwing minutes and seconds for that point. 
<laughs> no, it was just it was it, it was like a stat that I saw on Instagram, and it was a uh, it was definitely interesting to look at because obviously somebody went back and tracked how many days it was before he entered the league, and then you know people keep stats all the time, so I'm not surprised that somebody <laughs> threw that out there. But um, we'll go ahead and move on to our last two here. It's going to be about baseball for these last two. So. Um, Aroldis Trapman was placed on the 15 day injured list due to an infection from a tattoo. <laughs> Tom, what do you got on this one? Wait till the offseason get a tattoo. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's not. It's not like a crazy thing I put in there, but I was just like, I mean, it's, definitely- it's not crazy, but also like dudes having a horrible season and you're focused on getting a tattoo. Hey, maybe he got a tattoo that said "I suck" on it. I don't know. <laughs> definitely out of character for him to have a bad season, but I don't know. Anyway, David, what do you got on this one? I think that it's just interesting because I think that's – I don't want to say it's like a risk that you take when, when getting a tattoo because obviously there's health measures for it, but there is a slight chance for that to happen. Where is he getting a tattoo? He's getting an infection. I mean, I, I mean, no. over, over, over my life, I, I haven't known that many people to get infections from tattoos, and most of the time it's because they – got a tattoo from a sketchy place or they try to get yeah. themselves one or what you know what I mean? so it, i don't know it, it's, it's bound to happen no matter where you go i mean there's yeah. you know procedures that people take to you know clean all the equipment but nothing is ever going to work 100 percent of the time yeah i don't yeah. know this 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 topic reminded me of when when dom used to give steph curry a bloody nose for 365 days in 2k so, <laughs> or the or the wind hey, knocked out of him. Do what I had to do to win, man. You give him, he make him have the wind knocked out of him for three hundred and sixty five days. <laughs> uh, Evan, what do you got on this? I just say, I mean, yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think if you have an infection from a tattoo, I don't imagine throwing the baseball, especially at that you know velocity that he does, would be very mm-hmm. comfortable and very effective. So, it seems silly that he'd be on the fifteen day. IL, but you know, I, I guess hope he, he gets right soon, but I do agree with Tom that uh, maybe he could have picked better timing to get his tattoo. Yeah. Or maybe it was just an excuse. He was doing so bad and they were like, listen, we need an excuse for you to be this bad. So <laughs> say, say you had an infection <laughs> um, for the last one I got here before we move into the main topics, Barry Bonds has 28 more intentional walks than the entire Rays franchise. So Bonds has, 688 while the entire race franchise has 660 evan what do you got on this one i mean oof uh <laughs> i guess just that just goes to show first how good barry bonds was but second um you know the race haven't had super super power hitters like that um i always love these stats that are just like one player has done more than the entire team yeah. um so that's hilarious uh dom what do you got on this one I mean, it just goes to show how feared Barry Bonds was when he stepped up to the plate. Um, but it's also kind of impressive for the Rays, too, in my opinion. They're, they're a team that they haven't been around, you know, in baseball years that long. Um, but they've been pretty damn successful over the past 15, 16 years. They've always been in the playoffs. They've been to the World Series a couple times. They've been able to build quality teams without having – you know, a power hitter like Barry Bonds or, you know, insert power hitter into their lineup. They just play small ball and they pitch well and they get the job done. Yeah. Well, and when you have smart people behind the, I guess, uh, behind the desk there in the manager's office, you know, you, you kind of get stuff done. So we're going to go ahead and head into our main topics here. The first one, I'm going to have uh, David and Dom on here with me. We're going to talk about the college football um playoff expansion so earlier this week i don't know if you guys have been keeping up on it but they uh they announced that by 2026 i believe so they'll um expand it to 12 teams they would like to do it earlier but um that will be the um i guess latest that they will expand it to 12 teams so i kind of just wanted to get your guys's opinion on the expansion in general and then whether or not you thought 12 teams was too many or too few uh david what's your opinion on this I think that the expansion is really good for the college football playoff. If it was mainly the four team playoff, like it is now you run the risk of the same four to five teams in contention for the championship. So you're looking at the Ohio state states of the world, the Alabama's of the world, Clemson's as of lately, always going for this. 
thus leading to the top recruits only wanting to join those teams for two reasons. One, the best chance at winning the title because they're always going to be in that top four. And two, outside of the fact that they are very, very big programs, being in the national championship a lot, you're going to get a lot of NIL money as well. So is it too big? I don't think so because it will allow for the teams who are not Alabama or Ohio State to have their opportunity to shine. Not only that, if these programs that aren't always chosen for the top four or five of the AP polls are on a roll, then they can show the community why they should have been chosen for the top four or five over an Ohio State or an Alabama. Okay. Uh, Dom, what's your opinion on this? Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with David. I've always thought that they should expand the playoffs to maybe six teams um, just because I think four is maybe a little too too little. I think six would have been perfect. Twelve, I think, is too much. I think it's a money grab. And really, I mean, there's no there's no reason why a team that's ranked 12 should be contending for a national championship. I, I think, like, for example, this week we saw Georgia go up against Oregon. Oregon was ranked number 11. So in this format, they would make the playoffs. And they showed they don't deserve to be anywhere near – they don't even deserve to be in the same state as Georgia. Like, it, it, was, it was an embarrassment. So you're going to be putting up, you know, these 12th, 11th, 10th ranked teams up against the top teams in the country, and they're going to get blown out every time. Sure, maybe one out of 15 times you'll see an upset, but it's, it's not going to be entertaining to watch. It's going to be bad. No one's going to watch those games because they're not going to be entertaining. No, they're all just going to check in for the semifinals and the national championship game. I and honestly, that that game was going to be kind of like my number one point of why twelve teams like should they literally Georgia beat them forty nine to three. You're talking about a number three versus a number eleven. Like that should have been a good game. That should have been a game like we saw, you know, Ohio State versus Notre Dame, where you have two versus five where you have two really solid teams, two really good defenses go out there and play each other, and that's the result that you get. But Georgia steamrolled Oregon, and that's, to me, that's just shows the disparity of what happens. And then the second thing is, like, I get I get the money grab thing. I agree with a 16 playoff, even though I realistically think that there's only ever really four teams that deserve to be in the playoffs every year. They just kind of cater because some teams, you know, might have a loss or some teams might have two losses, even though I think they're probably better teams than some of the teams that get in sometimes. But a six-team playoff would allow, you know, for some of those things to be corrected. I think 12 is too much because you got to think about it this way. It, college football is not the NFL. You're not putting all the best players on 32 teams. You're spreading all the college athletic players that play football division one football between like what like there's almost like a hundred not a hundred i think there's almost 200 in in division one football like you're spreading it out like that's that's a lot now obviously you're not getting all the top talent across all 200 schools but like that's a lot of talent to sift through and you're getting a lot of guys that could be two or three star guys that make it to the league that are super productive from some of these schools, but the majority of your talent is clumped together in four or five, maybe even six schools. Like you see the same, you see the same schools having double digit draft picks every year in the draft, right? Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, Clemson, you know, Oklahoma has been up there. Um, We've had people come and go, whether that's Oregon, Texas, A&M, um, you know, FSU for a while, you know, so on and so on. But the, the same four or five have been in power pretty much for the past 10, 10 years. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think 12 teams is a really good idea. I think like Dom said, it, it's, it's a money grab for them. It's, it's a way to make the most money. It's the way to make bowl games more meaningful again, especially like, you know, the ones that we kind of really didn't care out outside of the Rose bowl. <laughs> so like outside of the Rose bowl and then the ones they were using in the, the 14 playoff method, like we didn't really care about those other ones. So it'll, it'll make those more meaningful. And then I don't know. So that's kind of my opinion on it. Um, did, 
David, Dom, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say on it before we moved on to the next topic? No. So, I mean, let, let us know what you guys think at home too. Like maybe you guys have a different viewpoint on it that we're not seeing. Maybe you're excited about it. I mean, maybe it helps us out as Ohio state fans one day, maybe Ohio state has three losses um, one year because they play a bunch, you know, they played three really good non-conference teams and it helps them get in at that point. And then maybe they win a national championship from it. And maybe it changes our mind. I don't know, but. If Ohio like, state has three losses in the season, their biggest worry is not going to be if they make the playoffs, it's going to be, um, the world's on fire. Who's replacing our head coach? <laughs> well, I mean, but it depends, though, what what the college landscape goes to, like, because as as you build basically the two super conferences, which is going to be the Big Ten and then the SEC, you're going to have more quality teams in there. So like Ohio State's going to play USC, Michigan, you know, Penn State's still a quality school. They're still growing. You know, you still have Wisconsin that comes and goes every four years. You know what I mean? So you're still going to have quality programs within both of these conferences and then whatever your out of conference schedule is like you you could you could have two or three losses going to the playoffs with a 12 team method so also i think that with this it also refines the kind of like the judgment for the committee Mm -hmm. on what team should be in the top 12 because this goes to dom's point they they based the top 12 teams off of the exact judgment that they've had for the last 30 years that might change when this program starts up there. I think that they're going to have a different set of standards and a different set of expectations for a top 12 versus what they've had in the past. Yeah. We'll see. Of course it's a money grab. Anything is a money grab at this point. So you can't exactly use a money grab for every reason why they expand it well i mean it's the their greed is was watering down the sport and making the product not as good as it should be mm. yeah i don't know we'll probably cover it as as we kind of move on like i said we kind of at this point we have until about 2026 before it really comes into an effect i know they talked about maybe trying to do it in 2024 but we'll see we'll see what happens It'll be interesting, and then uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it'll either go bad or it'll go good, or it'll just be kind of mid. So we'll see. Uh, but for our next topic, we're going to have uh, Dom and David on this one as well. We're going to go ahead and bring Evan in on it. So I got Greg's opinion on the Cavaliers trade for Donovan Mitchell in Ohio verse on Thursday. So I did want to definitely get your guys' opinion on that in this episode as well. So obviously, if you guys don't know, the Cavs traded for Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell. Um, arguably probably on fringe, you know, star, superstar in the league, you know, depending on your opinion of him. And in return, the Jazz got Colin Sexton, which we talked about earlier. They gave him a four-year, $73 million deal. They got Laurie Markkinen, three first-round unprotected unprotected picks and two pick swaps. So first, you know, what did you guys think about the trade? And then, you know, I guess – We'll, uh, we'll answer the second question after the first one. So what, first, what did you guys think about this trade, uh, Evan? Yeah, the first thing I thought is Kobe Altman is an absolute madman, um, a magician. I don't know how he pulled this off. Um, just like, like I don't know how he pulled off the Jared Allen trade a little while back. Um, but I was super excited. I saw this. I was driving home from a doctor's appointment. I got a little Woj notification on my phone. And it, I just saw the Cleveland Cavalier acquired. I'm like, oh, it's going to be, you know, I don't know, someone left like Carmelo Anthony or like some, you know, just fringe piece. Um, and I saw Donovan Mitchell and then it was just like, there was no news about what was in the trade for a while. So I was like, Oh man, no way. They like traded Mobley. Right. I was a little nervous. Um, but when I saw the the package, I was super excited. Um, I mean the, the pick equity, three first rounds and two pick swaps. It seems like a lot. I think the last swap or, or unprotected pick goes into the 2029 season. So it does seem like a lot and it could backfire but at the same time evidently at least is pretty much guaranteed to be on the Cavs until 2029 because he has you know he'll have his first rookie contract then he's a restricted free agent um so the Cavs can pretty much match anything he gets which they probably will so I think it's I think it's huge I am super excited I was already excited last year for the growth that Cleveland uh showed but I'm super excited to see what they can do this year and I don't think it's crazy to say you know maybe not this year but in two or three years the Cavs could seriously win championship with this group. So yeah, I was super excited. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, this year is 
depending on how the chemistry goes and stuff like that, and depending on how some things shake out, I think this year they could compete, you know, and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and and maybe even maybe even compete and try to make it to the finals this year. So it's definitely definitely a good squad. They have they're really good defensively um, when they're all healthy, and you have a guy now that can go get you 30, 35 points in the playoffs if you need him to. So I think that's super, super important. Um, I know like for you, you were driving home, you got a notification. I just finished, you know, watching the uh, Welcome to Wrexham episode four that dropped or whatever. And I get a phone call from Dom and he goes, bro, (laughs) did you see what happened? And I was like, no, what? He goes, we got Donovan Mitchell. And I was like, no way. (laughs) So run me through, like, before you called me and told me that, Dom, run me through, like, you know, like how you felt in that moment when you kind of figured that out. Kind of shocked um, just because a couple days before I read that the Cavs were pulling out of the trade talks. Um, So I was sitting here working from home, and uh, I get a text from a a Cavs group chat that I'm in with a couple of my buddies. And it's just a – you know, holy swear word with a bunch of, you know, uh, side eye emojis. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then I hear, oh, we got him. I'm like, what do you mean we got him? And then I saw the report that, you know, we got Donovan Mitchell. I'm like, damn, this is, uh, this is big. I I think this is a great step in the right direction for the Cavs. I think this shows that they're, they're prepared to make a jump this year. I think this year, next year, they're definitely going to be, contending for something and I think down the road they're going to be contending as well because you look at this team Darius Garland's what 21 22 Evan Mobley's 20 Jared Allen's I think maybe the oldest out of the bunch at 24 and then Donovan Mitchell I think is 27 yeah this team is going to be good they're going to be good for a long time I don't care about the picks you know as the Rams say F them picks I don't care about a, a first round pick in 2029 I don't care about the pick swaps because those are going to be useless Laurie Markkinen's a nice player, but he doesn't really fit what we're trying to do. He's a seven-foot wing that tries to be athletic. Sorry, he can get you some points, but I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and you have pretty much a big four now. So Because you have four guys that can be all-stars and will be all-stars again. And, you know, Darius Garland is turning himself into a star, maybe fringe superstar player here in the next, you know, year year or two. And Mobley is going to be uh, – I think super, he's going to be the best. Yeah, he's going to be and really I, – I think Mitchell can thrive in a system like this because he was asked to do everything in Utah. He mm-hmm. was he was the offense in Utah. Rudy Gobert wasn't meant to do that much offensively. He was rebounds and defense. Now yeah. he doesn't have that stress of being the only offensive production on the court. Yeah. So he's going to be able to be a little bit more free, a little bit more relaxed – I think he's really going to play well. I think these these next couple of years might be the best years that we ever see out of Donovan Mitchell. Well, and the thing too is you don't you have a pretty deep roster this year because you're obviously you still have Mobley on his rookie deal. Like you have a team friendly deal with Jared Allen, and you know you have a pretty deep roster still. You could add maybe a couple more vets if you wanted to, but you don't have to play them all at the same time right now. You could spread them out. And that's that's going to be super important going forward where you can have Donovan Mitchell out there leading his group, Darius Garland leading his group, you know, and then in the first six minutes they play together and in the final 10 minutes they play together. And then you just go out there and you win a bunch of games. And I think that'll be super fun to watch. But, uh, David, I just want to get your quick opinion on what you thought about the trade when it happened. I mean, I literally was driving to work when this happened. So I thought it was nuts. Um, I think – if healthy, this trade is absolutely excellent. Honestly, they didn't necessarily give up too much in return based on of what the Utah Jazz were previously asking for them. And they gave up Colin Sexton, who was injured, so who we didn't know would balance well with the current core of Garland, Okoro, Mobley, and Allen when he returned. Lauren Markin, and while a good player and played decently well with the rest of the team, was not always on the court and already had a big contract. Then the three first-round picks, which even without Mitchell would have been decently low draft picks anyways unless they absolutely fell off a cliff, wouldn't have even mattered all that much anyways. 
even without Mitchell. Plus, if this is a big if, if Mitchell doesn't pan out the way the team wanted him to, again, big if, then there's going to be some other team that is willing to move major assets to get a very talented guard in Mitchell. So I see this as a win-win. I don't, I don't see the Cavs moving on from him. I mean, I, I don't really see him flopping in Cleveland, but I think the biggest thing would be, yeah, I think the biggest thing would be whether or not him and Garland can play well together, but Garland is a good floor manager and I mm-hmm. think he would be able to get him involved. And I think Donovan Mitchell, it'll be a little bit of an adjustment to learn how to play more off ball. But I think like Dom said, it'll, it'll benefit him more to not have everything put on his shoulders. So he'll, I think he'll, he'll be able to be a little bit more effective, a little bit more efficient. And I think that this team will thrive, thrive because of it. But yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then uh, for the second part of this question, it's more about the Knicks than it is about the Cavs, but you know, there's all this talk about (laughs) how the Knicks have kind of really lost out on some big free agents over the past 10 years and, you know, where they could be, despite where they are right now. And, you know, obviously for whatever reason, the talks for the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell was based around whether or not they would give up RJ Barrett. So the jazz wanted a young star in return. They wanted RJ Barrett, but the Knicks for whatever, put a timetable on and they said, either we get it done by, you know, I think it was that Monday night and, or we're going to extend them. And and it, but they could still trade RJ Barrett, but it just changed the way everything would go down money wise, all that stuff. And I think the jazz were just like, we're done dealing with your guys' shit. So we're going to go with the next best offer. And we're going to go ahead and get a young point guard who could be our future, you know, franchise guy. And we'll just get a bunch of picks from the Cavs. So I guess, you know, I guess put yourselves in the minds of Knicks fans you know, I guess how do you how do you feel about this like franchise kind of fumbling fumbling this one again? And you know, what would be your outlook on on the team so far? Uh Dom. If I was a Knicks fan, I'd still be questioning can we call ourselves the Mecca of basketball if no one wants to come here? Yeah. And then I I would be hoping for new new ownership because clearly this ownership group doesn't have the respect of any of the any other players in the league because no one wants to go there. They can only acquire players through trade because they can't sign anyone. Yeah, I'd be pretty disappointed if I'm a Knicks fan. Yeah, RJ Barrett was the first player in 15 years that they signed to their rookie extension. And then their biggest free agent signing in the past, like, 10 years was when they signed um, all the guard they signed this year, Jalen Brunson. So that's probably their – Which they might be facing tampering uh, charges with. So yeah. that's fine. I mean, the, the Knicks aren't even the biggest team in, in their own city anymore. I mean, they've, they've kind of fallen. Well, let's let's not act like the Nets have been super productive anyway. I mean, they so, haven't been, but you, they've at least been able to draw names to want to play for that team. Uh, I'm sure eventually they'll, they'll figure it out, but, I mean, they were able to get – Kevin Durant is signing free agency. I don't even think he considered the Knicks when he was a free agent. Yeah. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets are a whole different topic. But uh, David. I mean, I think the Nets are overrated too, but it, if there's someone that's considering playing for any of the New York teams, they're all going to Brooklyn. They're choosing the Nets over the Knicks. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's partially, like you said, it's on the ownership. So, uh, David, I guess put yourself in the minds of a, a Knicks fan. How are you feeling right now? would be very upset because me and maybe that's because I come from Cleveland and we come from a very small town and relatively speaking small um, compared to a lot of these other cities. Yeah. And in, in the landscape of things, it's, it's not the biggest like population wise city, but it's definitely set up like a bigger city, but I see what you're saying. So I think we have kind of like this expect expectation of like you being able to manage your money and being able to do stuff on a budget and you being in New York, you in theory have basically unlimited money in theory, as I said, because it is New York at the end of the day. 
and they've missed the management is all over the freaking map with this thing. It's been absolute. It's been ridiculous. So I would be very, very disappointed in management. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you talk about sports franchises and you, you could basically say the, the big three cities in America would be New York, Miami, and L.A. I mean, you talk about the amount of money. That, Chicago and their Chicago's yeah. population was the third biggest city in the country. Well, I'm talking about like basically money brought in by the city, you know, exports put out. You know, when you talk about L.A., you have – the entertainment factor, whether that's Hollywood and stuff like that, you talk about New York, there's Broadway. And then it's just basically, I mean, everybody from other countries, they, they know, they know New York, Miami, and LA. Those, those are pretty much our, our biggest tourist attractions when it comes to, you know, cities in America at this point, pretty much. So when you talk about the amount of money that flows through there, the amount of diversity that throws flows through those cities, it, it doesn't make any sense that there should be in, there's no excuse for any of their franchises not to be on top of their respective sports. They should be the best, you know, year in and year out of all those sports because the most money flows through there and it doesn't make any sense, you know, that the Knicks haven't been good. You know, when you talk about LA with the Clippers, I mean, obviously they have Kawhi and, you know, Paul George now, but before they kind of were just, you know, pretty mid, they weren't able to put, you know, a good enough team around Chris Paul to win a championship for all those years. Like you talk about Miami, obviously LeBron came down there um, basketball wise and they, they won a couple of championships. They D Wade won a championship um, with Shaq. So, I mean, in the defense of the Clippers though, I'll give them the fe- benefit of the doubt due to the fact that they had the LA Lakers yeah, and I mean, there, there's a little bit of like, like a, a Lakers town regardless. Yeah, there's a little bit of like a big brother, little brother thing there, too. But just 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 examples when it comes to those things. And especially I think New York's New York's been a, a big disappointment, especially when we talk about the Giants and the Jets and, you know, like it. it's just it's very interesting. So, um, Ev, what do you think about the uh, I guess if you're in the mind of a Knicks fan? Absolutely. So I'm glad you guys went the way that you all did on this because I actually have maybe an unpopular opinion. If I'm a Knicks fan, I'm honestly not that mad because a couple of reasons here. Think about the New York Knicks. You know, they just signed Jalen Brunson. They had Donovan Mitchell. Where Where is their ceiling in the next three or four years? I don't think that's a team that's going maybe even not, not even to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're not, they're not winning a championship um, in the current NBA. So essentially, if you're adding Donovan Mitchell, it's more for, you know, getting to the playoffs, building excitement and selling tickets, which Madison Square Garden, no matter how bad the Knicks are, doesn't really need that much help selling tickets. Um, (laughs) Whether it's right or wrong, it's still considered the mecca of basketball. So as a Knicks fan, if the ultimate goal is a championship, um, I think it makes sense not to make this move. Uh, I'm not super well-versed in RJ, but a lot of Knicks fans are high on him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And ultimately, I think the Knicks will always be a place where eventually a free agent or someone asking out in a trade, a big star, someone's going to want to go to the Knicks. We see it time and time again. Now, whether they get that done, who's to say, um, but someone's going to want to go to the Knicks. And even being in the same city with the Nets right now, in terms of fandom, the Knicks are 100% still the Kings of New York, no matter no matter what. So if I'm an Knicks fan, I'm really not that mad. Um, you know, I'm focused a little bit on building for the future. And also, you know, in those Knicks teams with all that pick equity, if Donovan Mitchell, say, gets injured, is out for a season, the Knicks could end up in the lottery. And once you're in the lottery, who knows where those picks end up, right? So they kind of making that trade and not even uh, getting those picks that pay off. So if I'm a Knicks fan, not actually too mad. I would love to see Donovan Mitchell on my team. But if you're building for a championship, I don't think this was the right move to make. No, I, I definitely agree because yeah. I, I agree on that standpoint. And I, I did hear a lot of that of like, listen, I mean, yes, they lost out on Donovan Mitchell on this one, but it's not I don't think it's the same as losing out on like Kevin Durant or losing out on Giannis when they, you know, or losing out on LeBron, because I, I guess they had a chance to get him a couple times throughout the years when he kind of was moving back and forth. So I, I do think that that they have a good young squad they can put together. I think that they could use Julius Randle maybe at the trade deadline and move him out for some younger assets maybe. Um, Cause hopefully with Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett that he kind of, 
is able to be a good third option and show a little bit more efficiency, a little bit more productivity, and he can kind of be a good trade asset for a team that is looking to make a playoff push and they can kind of get some assets back from that and uh, continue to build around those two young guys that, that they have there. So I don't think they're in an awful spot, but I do think that like, I think in order for them to be attractive to other superstars or other stars in the league, they would need to have another guy there. And as of right now, they don't. So you can, you can kind of mask a lot of what people feel about the ownership or management wise when you're winning, right? (laughs) Winning kind of cures all. And you're not going to win if you don't have a guy that can kind of lead that team. And as of right now, they don't have that guy unless RJ Barrett takes that step forward and becomes that guy. And we'll have to see. It'll definitely be interesting. Let us know at home, guys, how you feel about the trade for the Cavs in general. And then, you know, how you feel for the Knicks, if you were a Knicks fan or if you are a Knicks fan, let us know. But we're going to go ahead and move on to our next topic. We're going to stay in the NBA I'm going to have Evan and David on here with me. We're going to talk about LeBron and not necessarily his greatness within the league, but more necessarily his longevity, which is, I guess, tied to his greatness, but his longevity and his longevity when it comes to wanting to play with his sons. So before it was just him and Bronny wanting to play together. And then Bryce took a growth spurt, got to six, six and started yamming on people at like 14, 15 years old. And I think Bron was like, Oh, cool. I want to play with Bryce too. So there's been lots of things out there saying that like he, he made a comment about, you know, his, the, the mental side of the game. If, if he was mentally able to continue to push himself, you know, to put in the work year in and year out that he would love to play with both of his sons at some point, which would put him at about 42, 43 years old by the time Bryce gets in the league. So that's like, like five, six years away. I think at this point, so I guess, you know, for Evan, you know, I guess first, do you think this is even possible for him to be in the league at this point? Is he even going to be productive? And then second, you know, what would this do for his legacy and then his son's legacy if we could see them, you know, play each other or play with each other throughout an NBA season? Yeah, so first off, right now, I think it's 100% possible. It sounds crazy. Um, but like I was talking about at the beginning of the show, I mean, this guy was what, 37 and was scoring 30 points a game, super productive. Um, so I think it's 100% possible that he could not only be playing, he could still be effective. Also, even if he's not the most effective player at the age of 42, uh, somebody's going to want the LeBron on their team. He could uh, he could honestly be a guy on the bench that's playing more of an assistant coach role, like a, you know, Donis Haslam's still on the Miami Heat right now. Uh, and I think LeBron will probably be better at 42 than LeBron Udonis Haslam is right now. So there'll definitely be a contract for him out there. Um, and then just for his legacy and for his son's legacy, um, I think it's huge. I think it would be really kind of cool and heartwarming to see him be able to play with his sons in the league. And I think this is kind of like a chess move that LeBron's making for his sons. Um, right now, it's you know, especially with Bronny, he maybe isn't the highest touted prospect um, in his draft class. But if LeBron says, you know, I'm coming to sign wherever LeBron, wherever Bronny gets drafted, he instantly goes from a second rounder to probably a lottery pick. And ultimately, the, the higher you pick, the more money you make. So LeBron's really queuing up his sons um, to start the, the, their NBA career on a good note. So, you know, it seems kind of uh, silly, but can't blame him. Can't say I wouldn't do the same thing if I was him. So... No. Yeah. I mean, look what LeVar Ball did for his sons, you know, like he creating the hype around him, putting, you know, their name into the ether. And, you know, obviously Lonzo and, you know, uh, LaMelo have backed that up. They've, they've played really good basketball. I think LaMelo is probably going to be the best out of the three of them. And, you know, even LiAngelo has played pretty solid basketball when it came to the G league and when he's been given an opportunity. So I think that's, you know, you have to have both of those. You like, if you were going to have a passionate father, that's going to put his sons on that pedestal to, to get them to that point, they also have to be able to produce. And, and I think they will, I I think Bronny's kind of, he's definitely progressed over the last year and shown that he really probably could play at the next level, especially at college. And hopefully we see him in a scarlet and gray uniform next year. We'll see, but (laughs) um, definitely maybe a little bit of a recruitment opportunity with the Notre Dame game when him and LeBron were there chilling out. So um, we'll see what, with that, but uh, David, you know, same question for you. Like, is this possible? Is he going to be productive at 42, 43 years old? And then what would this mean for the legacy of him and, and his sons? 
Is it possible? Yes. Anything is possible. If you work hard enough, you take care of your body and you do what you need to do to get there. We always say it's impossible until somebody actually goes out and does it. Is it possible? Yes. Should he do it? Is a whole other thing. That's up to him. Mainly because I think that he should guide his sons, yes. Hype his sons up. I think he should do that because he's, he's their father. He, he should do, be proud of everything that his sons do and his children just in general. But I think that they should also do this, kind of like figure it out on their own to some extent uh, with, of course, his help. Because he obviously has the understanding and the capability of understanding how the league works and how social media works with the league and stuff like that. But at the same time, the early years will have some kind of like asterisk to it, being that they're on the same team as their dad, if if that really makes sense. No, yeah. I mean, I think I think the thing is like. I don't know if he necessarily thinks that he's – I don't think he thinks he's going to be able to compete for a championship if he plays on the same team as them. I think he just – I think it would be cool for him to, like, throw a lob to his son and for him just to dunk it or, you know, do a do a cool pass and then drain a three or, or just do something – make that make that memory that I don't really think we've seen m- maybe – I don't think we've seen any father-son combo do that. Maybe Gary Payton? And is I, I don't know. The only father son duo I can think of isn't even in basketball. It's in baseball. It's yeah, Ken so Griffey Junior and Senior. So it'd be it'd be a whole unprecedented thing that I don't think we've really ever seen in the NBA, especially at this level. And it would be it'd be it'd be interesting to see. And and I do think that they'll always be held over their head, like oh, your dad was you know the second, third, or in some people's minds, the best player ever to play basketball. So you know, that'll always be there. But I think if they continue to have, you know, the good head on their shoulders that they do, if they listen to their father when it comes to protecting their body and training and doing what it takes, I think that they could have a pretty productive career and at least be productive starters in the NBA for, for a lot of years. And, and they'll, they'll forge their own career. They'll do, they'll do their own things and, and maybe they don't make it. Maybe they do something else. Who knows? Bronny's really interested into video games. I know he's a part of FaZe Clan or whatever, so maybe he pursues that avenue and, and does something differently with that. But we'll see. It'll definitely be interesting, and and it'll be fun to watch over the next, like, five, six years to see what kind of happens with that. So but we're going to go ahead and move into our last main topic of the episode today. Thank you guys for sticking around. If you have for this long, I know we've gone through a lot of stuff, but this is kind of my favorite topic of the episode. I, I wanted to talk about this so much. And we're going basically from LeBron, who is considered by many as the goat of basketball to Serena Williams, who is considered by many the goat of tennis, um, especially women's tennis. You know, I don't want to uh, forget about like names like Margaret Court, um, you know, who who kind of paved the way for women's tennis, too, in the beginning. But a lot of people view Serena Williams as the best tennis player, um, especially in women's tennis. So I wanted to read some of these things off before I kind of, you know, ask the question that's up there. So these are some of her stats in her career. So she has 23 Grand Slam wins, which is one behind Margaret Court with 24. She has 14 Grand Slam double wins. She has a gold medal in the Olympics single event in 2012. She has three gold medals for doubles in the Olympics 2000, 2008, and 2012. She has 73 Women's Tennis Association titles. That's good for fifth all time. She finishes with an overall record of 858 and 156, which is about an 85% win percentage. And then alone in the U S open where she's kind of dominated her career, she finishes with a 108 and 15 record, which is an 89% win percentage. And she spent a total of 319 weeks at number one in her, like in the world, in her whole career. That's basically a little over six years of her career. She spent at number one in the world, which is, I feel like pretty insane. She um, played professionally starting in 1995. She was 14 years old and played. If she she actually is retired at this point, if she doesn't play anymore past this point, um, 2000, you know, 
22, which would put her at age 40. That puts her at a 26 year career. So when you talk about longevity with LeBron, we have to put her up there as well too, with guys, you know, like with her and Tom Brady, um, LeBron, they have played long careers and been really productive for the majority of their careers, if not the whole time. And when you kind of go back to when she won her first, you know, grand slams, whether that was for doubles in 1998 or singles in uh, 1999 was her first win. So like in 1999, when she won her first Grand Slam win, which is a U.S. Open, these are some of the things that were happening. So Greg Popovich was 106 on the all-time wins list. We kind of know where he's at now. <laughs> Tom Brady had not thrown his first Michigan touchdown pass. We know where Tom Brady is at this point, the GOAT of quarterbacks in football. LeBron James had not even made his high school debut, and we know where he's at. And Tim Duncan was... Um, re, was the reigning NBA rookie of the year. And we know where he's at in basketball history as well, too. So she has the longevity that she has had in tennis has pretty much outlived all the other greats in all the other sports pretty much. And, you know, I just kind of want to get your guys' opinion on, you know, I don't even want to talk about the goat of tennis. I think that everybody has their different opinions when they talk about goats for sports. I think some are more clear than others, but, you know, just just the the career that she put up in tennis the success that she's had do you think that we get somebody else moving forward that is able to put up a 26 year career like she's put up um and 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 really stay on top of the world for as long as she did i mean i know she wasn't number 1 the whole time only 6 years out of the 26 but you know even when she wasn't number 1 she was top five, the majority of the time, top 10, the majority of the time. So, you know, I guess, Evan, what, what do you think about this? Yeah, absolutely. I love this topic as well. Um, played tennis growing up and in high school. Um, so always looked up to Serena personally. Um, and like you, you said, when she won her singles title in 98 or 99, I was one year old. Uh, so always been a stable of, of my life watching tennis. Um, but in terms of whether we'll see another person come close I don't want to say never, right? You never say never, like David said earlier in the episode. But it'll be it'll be very. I don't know if it'll be in our lifetime, quite honestly. Um, if we see someone else matching the greatness of Serena, um, you've talked about all the on-court accomplishments. Uh, I was thinking these last couple of matches at the U.S. Open. Um, you know, before her last match, she had that second-round match against num- the number two tennis player in the world currently, um, who she ended up beating. And during that interview, she said, you know, I've had a target on my back since I was 17, since I won my singles championship. And just the amount of greatness she's been able to sustain throughout the whole time is, is surreal. And also just everything off the court as well. I mean, she, she fought tennis currently has the lowest gender pay gap of, of any sport right now. Um, there's still a pay gap, but in terms of grand slams, the big four tennis championships, she fought for equal pay for women's and men's uh, um, champions. So, I mean, that was huge. Obviously, I think every, every woman going forward um, has Serena partially to thank for that. And also the fact that she won the Australian Open a couple of years back while like 20, 15 weeks pregnant, something like that. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. I, 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 I mean, totally forgot to mention so. that. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. she, she dominated that too, which was insane. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I loved watching Serena. I was hoping she'd make that uh, storybook ending of, you know, winning her her U.S. Open at the end. But, um, you know, she might just ran out of gas a little bit. But it was great to see her career unfold. Excited to see what she does um, next off the court, because I think she could still have a huge impact, um, even though her playing career is over. Yeah. David, uh, what do you think about this topic? I, I have to agree with Evan um, in the sense of, we may never see it in our lifetime. Of course, like I said before, never say never. We may tennis may have another Serena Williams 20, 30 years down the road. Hopefully it's a lot sooner. She's in the she's the goat in my books, even above like Novak Djokovic or uh, Roger Federer for the men's guy, uh, men's side of it. The two two of the main guys that we've heard over the years for tennis. And honestly, I don't know what else to say other than thank you for making the sport of tennis interesting. And 
just making a long lasting impression. This is, I think, why people love sports so much is because things like this, we we kind of get to see things like this over our lifetime. And, you know, you never you don't want to say that nobody will ever be able to do what somebody else does. But when you kind of look at, at her career, when you look at Tom Brady's career, when you look at, you know, somebody like Michael Jordan or LeBron James, I think that there are parts of their career that you look at and you're like, I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to really emulate that again. You know, there's going to be pieces where people will catch up or maybe even surpass them at, but the things that made that made them the greats that they are, those things are, those things are probably untouchable. So it's definitely interesting and, 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 you know, hats off to her for what she's been able to do and and the the strives that she's been able to push for women in, in tennis in general. And, and I think that I, I, as Evan said, I'm super excited for what she's going to do next and, and off the field and or off the court, <laughs> but um, it'll, it will, it'll be fun. And, and I, and I know that this might not be the end. She could totally play tennis again one day, but I think this is probably the end of her, like really maybe making that push to be super competitive within tennis um, regularly. So she might play, you know, some tennis here and there, but I think that this will, this is kind of like the end of, of what we've seen her competitive tennis days as. So, um, but yeah, um, I love that we ended it on that one, but we're going to go ahead and uh, go into our double take. Ah, I can't talk. We're gonna go ahead and go into our double take segment to finish the show off. So again, guys, if you don't know what that is, we just go around and say two things, whatever we want, you know, you could talk about the taco that you ate today, or you can make a, a bold prediction in sports. So it is up to you. <laughs> we'll go ahead and start with Dom. We'll go Dom, David, Evan, myself, and then back around. So Dom, you're up. Um, well, I went to Boston uh, two weeks ago now. Finally got to see Fenway Park, um, another stadium to, to check off the list. Um, great time. I, anyone's looking for a good city to go to, great food. Um, a lot of history there. We did the Freedom Walk and everything. Really good time. So recommend going to Boston, check it out, and go to a Red Sox game. Heck yeah. Uh, David? Uh, so I am one step further in my possible job career. Who knows? Um, so hopefully that pans out. Uh, other than that, I'll just keep you updated on the job hunt. Heck yeah. Let's go. Maybe we'll be uh, working together one day, David. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Evan, what's your first thing? Yeah. Um, I wanted to give a huge shout out uh, to the WNBA playoffs that are going on right now. Um, the other day on Sunday, um, that the I think it was game three of the semifinals um, with Sky versus the Sun, and then the huge uh, game Storm versus Las Vegas Aces. Um, so, People aren't super uh, tuned in. Um, the Storm, Sue Bird, many people, even if you're not a huge fan of the WNBA, have probably heard that name before. Um, considered widely between her and Diana Taurasi as, as the goats of the WNBA. Um, she's kind of on her retirement tour this last season, and it seems the way she's playing that she really wants a championship to go out on top. Um, so that Storm versus Aces game, especially uh, an overtime thriller, if anyone can go back, at least watch the highlights of that. Um, you know, on YouTube, it's, I've only been watching the WNBA for a couple of years now. Um, but many people say it's the best WNBA game of all time. Um, it was a great nail biter. And ultimately, if you're a basketball fan, definitely check out the WNBA tune in. Um, I think it gives a different alternative to the NBA product. It's a lot more team focused, a lot less isolation heavy. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun to watch for your basketball fan. So definitely check it out. Yeah. I mean, I've, I will agree. I think it's more fun. And I, these like Dom and David know how I love, would love to own a WNBA team one day. I talk about it all the time, but um, <laughs> I don't have enough money for that, but it'd be really cool. But I, I do agree that this is probably like some of the best basketball that we've seen played in the WNBA the past, like, you know, three or four years, especially when you talk about like Sabrina and SQ coming into the league and there's there it's, 
it's so much more athletic, so much more fast paced than what it's been. And it's so much more exciting. And, and I think that, you know, when you talk about Diana Taurasi and, and all the other greats, like they, they kind of were ahead of their time in the league. And I think a lot of now the young players that are coming in are starting to kind of match that energy, match that skill level. And we're seeing it, we're seeing a lot better play all around. And I think that it's definitely, um, it's definitely an amazing product. And I, I, do hope that you guys kind of support it more because it'll only grow. And um, the more it grows, the more attention it gets, the better it's going to get. And it's, it will, it will, it will one day not be a substitute for the NBA. It'll just be an additional basketball league that we can watch and really enjoy. So, but Nick, I'll go in with you. uh, If we can bring the, if we can bring the Cleveland Rockers, uh, WNBA team back, I'll go in with you. Okay. okay. Need a bunch more investors, but (laughs) listen, I, I would, See, I want to put one in Columbus. I think that a WNBA team in Columbus would do phenomenal. Um, but, you know, I did the research like four years ago. And four years ago, you only needed $10 million. So I don't know what it is at now. What? Inflation. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what it is at now. It's definitely more than $10 million. But, you know, if if any of you guys ever come across like $50 million you don't care about and you want to give it to me to start a WNBA franchise in Columbus, Ohio, let me know. So um, here at Deep Dive Sports, we will run it and we will make sure it's amazing. <laughs> and LeBron James will be our first head coach. Anyway, all right. So with my first thing here, um, so I know like, did you guys ever hear that story in 2016 about that like 55-year-old man who came like the oldest player in college football to, you know, play in a game? He kind of rushed for like three three yards or something like that. Well, <laughs> this with college football starting this year, there's like really kind of the official oldest player now in college football who's like seriously playing college football. And his name is what is it, Tom Hutton? And he is a punter for Oklahoma State. And he's 32 years old. And he started playing when he was 29. So there you go. Anybody who's 29, 30 years old out there, you want to go uh, go to college, start playing football? Heck yeah. I mean, look at uh, was that Jared Smith when started playing uh, golf for for college. So it's never too late to go back and pursue different talent challenges and uh, athletically. <laughs> so, Dom, what's your second thing? Um, second thing. That's a good question, Nick. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I got nothing. We haven't really watched any new shows on Netflix. Um, haven't seen any movies. Yeah, kind of. The Boston trip was kind of like the end of summer finale, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty much it. All right. All right. Uh, David, you got a second thing? Um, I know I did at one point. Um, <laughs> I just finished... Uh, uh, Marvel's What If. You're a little uh, bit behind, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, I recently just got Disney Plus like a month ago, so okay. Well, in my defense, it yeah. So I actually more like two months ago, but still, my point is, is valid. <laughs> I only recently got Disney Plus, so I finally finished What If, uh, and I now understand what your point was. Yeah, the uh, whole vision thing. Yeah, really made me mad <laughs> that he was just yeah. able just to cut Thanos in half, and uh, in the movie we couldn't do that. So that's however, cool. that was not a vision vision that we know. That was the Ultron vision. It was a different care. vision. I don't care. <laughs> Same thing. Cut him in half. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? And if you didn't want to kill him, you could just cut his arm off. So I don't know what we're doing here, but. <laughs> Anyway, Evan, what's your third thing? Yeah, it's kind of piggybacks. Second thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of piggybacks off of uh, Dom's first thing earlier. Um, I was in Baltimore a couple, probably about a month ago, um, and was able to check out a game at Camden Yards, um, which was a super awesome park to go to. I'm not the hugest baseball fan. I'm not watching it every day, but I love to attend games in person especially. and so I just thought that park was so cool with the kind of historic where, uh, warehouses that they put into it. Um, and it's a, it's a modern park, but it's made to look classic. And I just really enjoyed uh, the game there. And it was a great game too, 1-0 against the Pirates. Um, so it was exciting all the way down to the end. Um, and would definitely 
like Don said with Fenway Park, I definitely recommend some uh, any of you guys that love baseball to check out the game at Camden Yard sometime. Yeah, that's it's always regarded as one of the best ballparks in baseball, and I think it might be next on my on my list. Uh, I might have to move it up a couple rankings, but yeah, definitely need to check a game out there soon. Nice, nice. Um, for my last thing, I know I've mentioned the past couple podcasts um, about me watching the Welcome to Wrexham show on, uh, you know, I think it's on FX, but it, it streams on Hulu. If you guys haven't started watching it, I would watch it. It's definitely, it definitely kind of tugs on your heartstrings a little bit. It's definitely fun to watch. And, you know, I, um, I'm definitely new to regularly watching football in that regard. So, but I think that Wrexham is going to become my new favorite team. Um, I always, I'll, I'll love what, uh, you know, uh, West Ham, but, uh, you know, go ham. Those are, those are my, uh, premier. They're, they're, they're not going ham, but no, no, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're going to a relegation, but that's fine. So <laughs> <laughs> they are, uh, <laughs> they are not the whole ham this year. That's okay though. We'll, uh, we'll make it, we'll make a comeback, but like I said, I think it's a, it's a, uh, the Wrexham is a super cool story. And I think what makes it more interesting is that, you know, I think it kind of shows the love that is definitely seeping over here into America that people have for, um, you know, football over in other countries. And, you know, I know that Ryan Reynolds is kind of the money bag behind it, but, you know, um, Ryan, McLevinny, I think I'll probably say it, said his name wrong, but he, I think he truly loves the team and he loves the fact that he's trying to do something amazing for this town. And I think that's what makes it an amazing watch. And that's what makes maybe supporting this team going forward would be super fun. So um, definitely give it a shot. Try to watch a game. I know the time difference is a little weird. So sometimes they play at like two or three in the morning, but for us, but I mean, if you, if you get a game where you could watch it in the middle of the day or something like that, definitely give it a shot. So, but that pretty much ends our double take segment. And then that ends our, our episode. So I know it was a little bit longer today, guys, but we have a lot to talk about, you know, we haven't been on in a couple of weeks and there was a lot that happened and we just, I mean, we brought back Evan. So yeah. And, and Evan came back. So it's amazing. Happy to be Super here. Had a great that. time. <laughs> so, but uh, we'll we'll be back in two weeks, and I think there will be an on deck episode coming up, maybe in the next couple of days or um, next week sometime. And then I know David and Evan are working on maybe bringing back nothing but net. So we'll kind of keep you guys updated on that as the basketball season kind of develops here. But other than that, I'm Nick. This was Let's Talk Sports presented by Deep Dive Sports, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners.